0: We live in 21st century North American culture and I think we often take for granted some of life's most essential and basic amenities. We have electricity, by and large we have efficiently built homes, certainly in comparison to bygone eras of time. We have technology, we have Wi-Fi, we have Indoor plumbing, praise the Lord. We have readily accessible transportation, so on and so forth. And one other thing that we certainly, I believe, take for granted in our sphere is clean running water. According to the CDC, as of 2017, more than 884 million people did not have access to safe drinking water. And more than 2 billion people, roughly 25% of the world's population, did not have access to basic sanitation. Basic sanitation being defined as having access to facilities for the safe disposal of human waste. A quarter of the world's population does not have that. And as a result, roughly 1 million people die annually due to a lack, at least that many die due to a lack of clean drinking water and the consequences of water-related disease and illness. And so I'll pause in the sermon just to acknowledge the obvious that we certainly are blessed in North America. Let's not grow fickle and let's not get spoiled. We need to remember how blessed we are. Amen? When you stop to think about it, without access to water... I know we know this intrinsically, but, but just pause with me for a moment to consider that without water, a person or a society simply cannot survive. Water is arguably the single most important resource and commodity on the face of the planet. You can survive without a lot of things. You can survive without electricity. You can survive without indoor plumbing. You can survive without Wi-Fi. You can survive, well, most of you can survive without your coffee in the morning. Some of you, you need that, praise the Lord. Even food for a length of time, you can survive without, but without water, you will not last. Our bodies are made up of 60% water, they tell us, and a generous estimate would be that you can go a week or so without drinking water, but more realistically, that number is probably three or four days, and you're toast. Water is and has been one of the most essential building blocks of society throughout all of time. If you didn't have water, you didn't have sustainability. Your community couldn't grow. The people would not thrive. It's, it, it circled around water. Because of this basic reality, this basic premise throughout history, when a family or when a community desired to forage, forage onward, And find new land. The first thing that they had to do was establish a reliable source of fresh water. First priority. First thing they had to do. You can survive without a roof over your head for a while. You can survive using an outhouse, but not without this essential commodity. And so throughout all of human existence, water has been and will continue to be priority number one. Because without it, there's no life. Without water, there's no progress. Without water, you have no hope. So not surprisingly, the majority of people throughout history, they have chosen to colonize close to bodies of fresh water. According to the National Library of Medicine, over 50%, over half the world's population... Lives closer than three kilometers to fresh water to a freshwater body. And only 10% lives further than 10 kilometers away from a freshwater body. Now we live in a beautiful city, and of course, the main feature of Fredericton is that the St. John River flows directly through the middle of it. I'm just stating obvious things tonight, right? I'm saying this for a purpose. There is a reason, you know, that there are communities and towns and even cities like Fredericton that are dotted all along the St. John River Valley and other freshwater sources such as it. And that is because water is essential. And a river provides all the sustainability that one would want. It's no surprise that people colonize In that sort of way our river provides a means for sanitation it provides hydroelectric power it is a freshwater source you can fish it and it's beautiful to look at to boot and we take for granted its significance but our lives are blessed simply by the presence of the river that flows in our midst Given the essentiality of water to the flourishing of life in the natural, it's no surprise that Jesus compares His Spirit to water in Scripture. Because likewise, without His Spirit, there's no life. Without His Spirit, there's no progress. And without the Spirit of God flowing and moving and present in our midst, we have no hope. And heaven help us. Sometimes I believe that we can take the Holy Ghost for granted. But let us never forget how our lives are blessed simply by the presence of the river of God's Spirit that flows in our midst as the people of God. I think we should pause every once in a while and remind ourselves of the significance and the essentiality and the need that we have For the flowing of the Spirit of God. In the Gospel of John alone, two times in particular, Jesus compares His Spirit to water. One such time, as I've stated, John chapter 7, He compares His Spirit to a river. He says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, if you're thirsty, if you have a desire in your soul, then let him come to Me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And we don't have to question or wonder what the analogy that Jesus is making here. John, as an aside in his Gospel in verse 39, says, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me pause now to declare that we need the river. We need the Spirit of God flowing every time we gather, every day that we rise up, every day we live. We need the flowing Spirit, that river of God's Spirit in our lives and in our midst. Because when God's Spirit flows, I'm telling you, it brings a cleansing for the soul. When the Spirit of God flows, it provides the power that fuels the church of the living God. When the river of God's Spirit flows, it refreshes and it sustains our our spiritual man. We need the river. Everyone shout, we need the river. Look at your neighbor and say, we need the river. Somebody say, we need the river of God to flow tonight in this service. Somebody say, I want to see it happen right now. I want to see it happen here in this place. We need it, God. We need the river because there's something in the water. There's a power in the flow of His Spirit But you see, Jesus not only compares His Spirit to a river in the Gospel of John, He also compares it to a well. And you might know the story in John 4 when Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. He was on assignment and on mission to minister to a Samaritan woman that was just broken. There's no other way to say it. He meets this lady and in the course of conversation, He makes the powerful statement in John 4, Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well. Everyone say a well, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I find it interesting that Jesus gives us these two analogies in reference to the Spirit of God, both in reference to water. Now, this is how my mind works. As I consider both analogies, I, I tend to take things literally as much as possible. Sometimes that's to a fault. But as I consider these two analogies, a river and a well, I recognize that a river is something that is God made. And when it comes to a river, like in the case of people that one day decided to colonize in, in this part of, our, of the world, the Fredericton River Valley, The St. John River Valley, excuse me. They decided to park themselves close to where the river was flowing. Because I think when you consider the river, even in the spirit, what a person is required to do is position themselves within proximity of the water that flows. And thereby, they will be blessed. That's why we gather. That's why we come to the house of God. That's why we do it so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's a reason for that. Because we are positioning ourselves within proximity of the free flow of the Spirit of God. God determines where the rivers flow. Did you ever ever hear of somebody going to the city of Fredericton with some sort of a building plot? Like, you know, we're going to decide that the river is going to move over here. We're going to reroute it a little bit. We can stop it up and we can try our best to, you know, dam up a river or whatever. We can't move the river. God determines when and where the river flows. It's God made. But as I ponder the other analogy, the well, to the contrary, a well is man-made, not God-made. Now, both, both have, have water And that is of God. But a well is our effort and our attempt to access the power that resides in the water, the Spirit. A well is man made. And so, in order to tap into the resource of water, the Spirit of God, go with me, there is an effort that is to be put in. There is sweat and toil that's involved in digging a well. But at the end of the hard work, there is that water that springs up, that sustains and brings life. In the natural, a river is in a fixed location. And again, if you want to tap into the resource of the river of God's Spirit, you've got to get in proximity of it. You've got to get close to it. And, you know, we used to say things like, get under the spout where the glory comes out, you know. You've got to make sure you're, you're, you're where the action's happening. That's why we need to be at youth convention next week. That's good preaching. That's the river, but a well. And this is just what I felt as I was praying about this service. And I know that there's talk in Scripture that the river flows into barren places, so this is where taking analogies too literally gets me into trouble perhaps. But, but a well, it brings greater flexibility and mobility. A well affords you the opportunity to explore new territory and take new land. Even in some of the harshest environments, there is water there. There is life sustaining water, a, a well of living water that can spring up even in, a dry, in uh, a dry and barren wasteland. But if you want a well, you've got to be willing to dig deeper, dig into the earth until you find water. I believe that God is calling His people in these last days, beyond the borders of familiarity and into the barren wilderness that is our world. And we are to go into places and to people that are far from God and establish His kingdom in dry places. But in order to do so, we must be willing to dig some wells. Because without that living water springing up and flowing in our midst, barrenness stays barren and dry places stay dry. But our prayer today and my heart in this service is spring up, a oh well. We need the Spirit of God to spring up in the barrenness of our world. We need the Spirit of God to spring up in the barrenness that is the city of Fredericton and the barrenness that is Atlantic Canada. We are hungry. We are thirsty. And so God we pray spring up a well spring up a well and it's powerful to pray it but in many respects we can answer the prayer because our effort our intention it expresses our desire to dig we're say dig a well dig a well as you read through Scripture, the, the significance of wells, it can't be overstated. You often read about wells and different people and groups that dig them. Literally, they're everywhere. You can hardly read a few chapters without coming across a well or a place named after a well. Just in the book of Genesis, in in, in chapter 21, Hagar, she's refreshed by a well. And Abraham's well is taken by the enemy Philistines. In Genesis 24, Abraham's servant finds Isaac a wife at a well. Likewise, in Genesis 29, the patriarch Jacob first encounters Rachel at a well. In Exodus 2, Moses, he found a job and ultimately a wife because he too stopped at a well in Midian. Wells were significant landmarks, you know. You, know, you imagine planning out a road trip with your family now. We, we don't really think about the roads we're going to travel. We know that there's going to be a gas station somewhere. But when you were planning a a trip or a journey back in these times, you weren't driving vehicles, you were the vehicle. You're riding Camelback or something, I don't know. And what was essential was that you made sure you were close enough or you were on your way to a place that had a well. And so you're literally planning your trip. From this place to the next well, to the next well, to the next well. You know, literally. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis 24 that Isaac, he went by the way of the well of Lahoy He literally planned his journey so that he encountered wells along the way. Wells sometimes even determine the place names. The Hebrew word for well is beer, so B-E-E-R. And so you'll see places in Scripture like Beer Lahoi Roy, Beersheba, Biroth, Berilam, Bir and literally the names mean the well of Lahoi Roy, the well of Sheba, etc. In scripture wells were essential components for a thriving community as they still are to this day. And in with a bird's eye view, I guess, when I think of what a well symbolizes and what it is, a well simply put is a deep reservoir That is consistently and readily available to sustain you and refresh you. Anybody ever had to dig a well on your property? Perhaps not by hand, but you know. It's easy goings in the 21st century. We get all the machinery, we get all that stuff. but You got to dig down deep. Depending on where you are, you could be hundreds of feet under the surface of the soil. All to tap into that reservoir. All to tap into life. If you want the water, you have to go deep. We can hardly imagine what it would have been like in Bible times before heavy machinery and how difficult it would have been and the effort and the arduous process. This was not some overnight thing. This would have taken days and weeks. And I would guess that there's somebody that's getting lowered down on a pulley, down to the bottom, and they're... Scooping up some earth and they're hoisting it back up to the top and taking it elsewhere. And and every few inches deeper you go, a little bit harder it becomes because it's a little bit higher to hoist the dirt. And day after arduous day, you're digging until finally the walls start to get a little bit wet around you. And the bottom starts to fill in with a little bit of water and you know that you're almost there and you dig a little further and, and finally you've reached it water table, you've crossed it and you found water. And as a result, your life and the lives of those around you are abundantly blessed and life can spring up and life is sustained all because somebody was willing to dig a little bit deeper and go beneath the surface. I believe that there is a refreshing for our souls today. And I believe that a deep well can spring forth if just a few folks if a church just like this one would commit to dig a few wells out in the spirit if we would commit to dig some wells in our lives spiritual wells to access that living water that all of us and all of those around us might be blessed by the spirit of the living god can i tell you that every time you pray you're digging that you're you're pushing that shovel a little bit deeper down into the earth can i tell you that every time you fast you are digging a little bit deeper into the things of god it takes some time it takes some effort but on the other side of that effort is a well of water that sustains and brings life everyone say dig a well thank you pastor jack for the shovel i told him it looked a little bit too pretty I don't know if this one's seen much digging. I'm not going to be much longer tonight. You see, digging a well does involve toil. And because of that, it's easy for us in our flesh to shy away and instead remain satisfied with the surface. There's one other implement that you will read about in Scripture And I will introduce it to you tonight. And that is called the cistern. A cistern is a man-made basin of sorts. And a cistern is used primarily for water collection and water storage. And if you were to look at a cistern and a well side by side, on the surface, a cistern may look very similar to a well. But in reality, it is very different. Because a cistern does not go down deep into the earth. The prophet Jeremiah, he spoke in Jeremiah 2.13, and he said, For my people have committed two evils. God spoke and said, They have, number one, forsaken me, the fountain. We would say, the well. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And instead, the second evil, they have hewed out cisterns. Broken cisterns at that which can hold no water. I would caution us today and tell us that it is possible to become satisfied with the surface. Because on the surface, those that operate like a cistern, they look awfully similar to those that operate as a well. Cisterns can hold water. You can draw water from a cistern. Cisterns are easier to construct. You don't have to go through the process of digging down deep. But cisterns are also temperamental because they rely primarily on rainfall. And if there's no rain, your cistern runs dry. And so what happens when you hit a dry season and all you have is a cistern? What happens when you find yourself in spiritual drought and you exist only on the surface? When that happens, you dry up. And I'm convinced that's why sometimes we see people and their spiritual life, it looks kind of like this, you know? Because as the rains come and as the rains go, they ebb and they flow, they rise and they fall on the climate around them, as opposed to a deep well of water that comes from within them by the Spirit of God. You see, a cistern, it operates by the rainfall and the overflow of others that are around them. And it is possible to be blessed by somebody else that that lives in the deep things of God. And it is possible to come to church and, and be present when the rains of God's Spirit are falling. But can I tell you that it doesn't rain all the time. We understand it in the natural. It was beautiful all week. It's raining today. Some days it's rainy, and some days it's not. Even in these last days when God said, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and He said that He would cause the former and the latter rain to come down together in the first month, and and there's going to be a powerful and a quick work. Even in the rainy season, sometimes there's dry days. And so we can ill afford to rely just on the rains that fall around us. Because there are days when it gets hot and things get dry. And what happens if you find yourself in a season like that and all you've got is a cistern? It's this. And We help and we counsel and we pray. But if you just get your spiritual shovel out, and when pastor and when pastor's wife calls us to prayer and fasting, if we would not just brush that off as some, some, uh, you know, something for the over, overly exuberant people and something for all the, you know, the really passionate people, and uh, you know, they'll pray and I'll just kind of get a blessing as a result. The residual overflow of what they're doing. But if we would take it upon ourselves and and get our shovel out and start praying more and start getting in the Word and start fasting and pushing the plate away and saying, God, I want to see you spring up in my life. God, I need a well to spring up in my family. God, I need a well to spring up in my community. God, do it in our church. God, do it in our city. Spring up a well. How do we really pray that prayer? It's when we bow our knee and it's when we fast and it's when we get in the Word of God. That's really how we say to God, I want it to spring up. I'm hungry for it. I'm hungry for it. Sometimes it gets dry. We say it gets dry sometimes. See, the natural mirrors the supernatural, and there are times, yes, that God pours out His Spirit. And it's easy to feel God when He opens the windows of heaven. You get water in your cistern and you can draw from it and it feels good. But when the rains stop falling, we recognize the ill decision of our shallow spiritual lives. It's not that we're bad people. It's just that we exist on the surface. But through prayer, we go into the deep things of God. Lord, help us to understand the importance spiritual depth in this end time age, when there's so many false Christs and so much false teaching and and there's all these things swirling and winds of false doctrine, we need to be a people that know what it is to tap into the well, to tap into the Spirit of God and allow Him to flow. Someone today, there's just a call, it's been here in the Spirit, I was not planning to go this direction, But as Pastor was challenging us today, and as we've been challenged over the past several weeks, the Lord led me to talk about this. A desire for deeper reservoirs. Because I'll tell you, if you're tapped into a well, and if you walk in the Spirit every day, you can outlast the driest of seasons. When you are tapped into the well, you walk in an authority and a power that others around you do not have. And when you walk in the Spirit, when you are tapped into the well, when you come into contact with somebody who is thirsty, you have something to offer them. That's what happened at the well in John 4. Jesus said, if you knew the water that I had... You would ask me for a drink. The water that I give will cause men to never thirst again. That's how we live and operate when we're people of depth. But you've got to be willing to dig it out and press further than you've ever pressed, deeper than you've ever dug. I close with this. I'll be clear tonight, and I want to tell you that if you've ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost, at that moment, a well of living water, it opened up in your soul. Jesus said it's like a river flowing from the innermost being, from your belly. It's a well of water springing up. It's in Him. It's in you, but it springs up. And when you receive the Spirit of God, and you begin to speak in an unknown language, Speaking in other tongues. That is the overflow of what God is doing within you. And if you've ever received that, if you've ever had the experience of being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that was that well. And living waters began to flow. It was a moment of refreshing. But I'll tell you tonight that the enemy is never content to leave you alone. And from the moment of your spirit baptism, and if you've never received the Holy Ghost, that can open up in your soul tonight. But from the moment of your spirit baptism, the enemy of your soul does what he can to stop that flow and to hinder access to that living water so that you will live dry and you will have nothing to offer your world. And over time, without us even realizing it, sometimes our well gets clogged. In Genesis 26, music, you can join me. I'm finishing. In Genesis 26... The Bible tells us that because of a famine, because of a dry time, Isaac finds himself living in Philistine territory in a place called Gerar. And there in that place, the Bible says that God blessed Isaac with abundance. And as a result, the enemy got mad. Because the enemy is not contented. He's not satisfied to just let you ride off into the sunset with Jesus. Jesus. He's going to fight you, and he does. The Bible says in verse 12, Then Isaac sowed in that land, and he received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And he waxed great, and he went forward, and he grew until he became very great, for he had possession of flocks, and possession of herds, and a great store of servants. And the Philistines, the enemy, envied him, and they hated him. Verse 15, for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them. They'd clogged them up and filled them with earth. See, there are times with us, just like with Isaac, I believe, that the enemy can slip in. And he can begin filling in the wells, that well in your soul, in your life. He really doesn't care what he fills it with. Just dirt. Just stuff. Just as long as he keeps you from drawing from it. You can't survive in the natural without the water. But sometimes we try to survive without the water, that reservoir. I think sometimes we we can come into church so thirsty. Looking for the rain. Wanting the river. But you can have a well every day. You can have that reservoir every day to bless, to sustain you. And so he'll use whatever he can, the cares of life, the pursuit of wealth, sometimes relationships. Certainly in our era, media, distraction, consumption, sin. He'll just do what He can and He'll dump in the dirt. If we're not paying attention, before long it gets filled. And every day that we live in prayerlessness and every day we're we're content to just coast, we give the enemy yet one more opportunity to just throw a little more in and stop up that well. But Tonight in the Spirit there is a call. There's been a call in our church to get out our spiritual shovels and start digging out some spiritual wells of water. Because for some of us, it's just been a little bit too long, I would say, since that water has sprung up in our lives. As a church, can I just speak on behalf of all of us and say, God, we're thirsty. God, we're thirsty. One of my prayers as we head into youth convention, I serve as the district youth president, and so I bear responsibility for next weekend, but one of my prayers has been, God, I pray that you'd fill young people with the gift of the Holy Ghost. God, we're thirsty. That's why we call prayer, that's why we call fasting for an event like that. Because we don't want to just go through Without that flow, we need that well to spring up. As so a church, I'm just adding my voice to the voice of our pastor. I suppose whichever one you like best, you just, just respond to anybody, really. That's, that's all that matters. Just respond to anybody. But there's a call to dig a little deeper, to go a little further and allow that spring of living water to flow. I love what Isaac did in verse 18. Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them. The enemy was not happy. They had that sustenance, that source, so they filled it in. But Isaac said, "Uh uh-uh. It's been a little bit too long since I've had access to the well. So he got his shovel and he dug. And he dug and he dug until something sprung forth. And that's it. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. What if you stand together with me and there's a simple call to the altar tonight if you would like to even now as we gather for prayer, if you would like to take your spiritual shovel and take a few, a few shovelfuls of earth and dig a little deeper. I wonder if you'd like to step out of, the, out of your chair tonight and come around this altar and if you could join me not just in body but join me in voice and in spirit and lift your voice in prayer. you're not careful, you may miss what God is calling us to do in the simplicity of what He's calling us to do. But God desires to break through. God desires to spring up. But somebody's got to be willing to dig. Somebody's got to be willing to add their voice to the voices of elders that have gone on before us. Somebody's got to be willing to add their voice to build that memorial before the Lord and say, God, I am thirsty. Jesus, we are hungry. God, we desire Your Spirit to flow. As you come, lift your voice right now before we sing. God has come for Your words tonight. God has come for your words tonight and I wonder if somebody would be as bold to give God what the enemy so desperately wants to silence and that is your voice death and life are in the power of the tongue ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters I wonder if somebody would be willing to engage in a little spiritual warfare for a few moments and lift your voice in the sanctuary of God just a moment, I want to hear the voices lifted of the people of God. Can you lift your voice right now? Hola, Come on somebody dig in right now. Somebody dig a little deeper right now. Deep calleth unto deep. Come on, there's a deep thirst. There's a deep hunger in our soul tonight, God. So we're crying out for the deep things of God. We're crying out for a well of living water to spring up in this church. God, to spring up from our soul. To spring up in our city, God. Oh, la ya rammahi. Ilhamanda kashf tahe ramma do kosh. Ramma diya ramma satta ramma do kosh Oh, ramma diya kocha tayela la la mondo ramashia rabasata yela la modo kosha karama mali la mondo kosha karaba dia satayela o in the name of jesus in the name of jesus ola yaramamaye ramashkata ramondo kosha taramamandie bahai at the mount Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll pray again in a moment, but I just feel like the Lord wants me to say this. I think it's appropriate to pray, God send the rain. That's biblical. It's certainly appropriate to talk about the river that can flow. And so we'll pray all of that and more over next weekend and over any time we gather. But I think what God needs also in partnership with what He can do from an open window over this church from heaven is when we partner with Him and we become a vessel through which that water can flow. And when we come into contact with somebody that needs something from the Lord in an altar like this, and we lay our hands on them, we've been drawn from living water all week. And thirsty souls in our midst, we become the vessel through which the answer comes and flows. And so Lord, yeah, send the rain. We pray it. We desire it. But God, spring up. Spring up through me. Spring up through us. God, help us to be in position to be used. God, every time we come into these, these doors, into this sanctuary, we want to be vessels through which your spirit can flow. In Jesus' name. I wonder if just one more time, if you could just press. If you could just press a little bit. <laughs> Lord God, we repent of everything that we've allowed to get in the way. Jesus, we empty ourselves right now. God, we pour ourselves out before you. God, whatever the enemy has thrown our way, we've allowed it to exist in our lives. That has blocked the flow of your spirit from us, through us to others. God, we repent of that right now. And God, through prayer, God, through intercession in this moment, I pray that there would be an emptying so that there can be a free flow in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I believe that you want to use people in this church right now. God, as we gather throughout this week, God, as we gather next weekend to lay hands on the sick that they might recover, to lay hands on an empty soul, on an empty vessel that they might be filled, So God, we position ourselves. Spring up, oh well, is our prayer. Lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice.